0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com help, slash film daily.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, December 19th, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the avatar, the Way of Water box office, and have a spoiler discussion about that James Cameron sequel. This is Slash Film editorial director Peter Soretta, And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film newswriter and box office analyst Ryan Scott.
2: Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going?
1: So, Ryan, uh, actually, before we get into it, I want to say that I have construction going on at my condo. Uh, my <laughs> patio is being torn apart as we speak. So if you hear some, like, hammering and stuff in the background, there's literally no way to avoid this. And it's going to be like this for a couple weeks. So I apologize if you hear any any uh, distraction in the background. And, um, yeah, okay, let's jump into it. So uh, the one of the biggest movies of the year came out this weekend or it came out i guess thursday avatar the way of water this is a movie that's been over a decade in the making it's a a sequel if you haven't heard of it then i don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast but uh so i guess you know a lot of people have been second guessing this movie a lot of people are you know avatar doesn't have any cultural relevance no one's going to want to see the sequel you know is this fad uh the movie we came had a out. very
2: large discussion about that earlier this year where several months ago we were sort of long-term prognosticating about <laughs> what kind of money and i was hesitant to make any predictions at that time because it's a pretty unprecedented thing but yeah this has been this has been a big to- topic of discussion for a long time
1: so it, it, it's really curious because they've already shot a third film uh yeah it's by some, shot, so Cameron's
2: it's like 90 percent done or something it's very close to done
1: yeah, uh, although shot is a, a weird term that I'm not sure if it means anything into the in, today, in a, a world of a movie called Avatar because like a lot of that is like performance capture and then like most of it's like CG after the fact. So like, what point of <laughs> in in the production cycle actually are we? I don't know, but uh, yes, I think the performances have mostly been captured. Uh, but anyways, okay, let's get into it. Uh, how how well did this movie do at the box office, Brian?
2: Well. I guess it's worth some context for people that don't follow this. Like a lot of people sort of offhand might know that the original Avatar is the highest grossing movie of all time. A, a, a feat it technically accomplished twice, uh, and it's original run. And then it was briefly passed by Avengers end game only for Avatar to through a couple of re-releases. Once again, regain the crown, uh, the movie, the original movie sits at 2.92 billion dollars worldwide. Uh, it, and, who knows, through various other re-releases, it still has a potential chance of becoming the only $3 billion movie in history. So, uh, this to say, it, you know, th- there were big expectations on, on the sequel. And the other thing to note before getting into the numbers here is that the original Avatar came out in 2009, a full 13 years ago. It was a very, very, very different time. Uh, this was right around the time that China was starting to truly embrace Hollywood releases, um, Avatar was largely the movie that kind of pushed uh, uh, Hollywood to pursue China a little further, um, and uh, it, it didn't make all that much in its original. You know, it made like seventy-seven million on its opening weekend, but then it dropped almost nothing its following weekend and topped the box office for seven weeks. So, like, it it had a very unconventional journey to becoming that number one highest-grossing movie. But a lot has changed. We're thirteen years later. We're in a post-pandemic world. So. Comparing these numbers to the original Avatar, it's going to be tough out of the gate. I just wanted to set the stage a bit before we get into it.
1: Sure, sure.
2: Um, but anyway, all right. So let's get into it. Uh, Avatar: The Way of Water uh, opened uh, to a hundred and thirty-four million dollars domestic, and uh, and the 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 finals came in a, uh, actually a few minutes ago. So internationally, it did slightly better than than uh, the the previous reports had put it. Um, so it is at uh, $307.6 million internationally, which gives it a $441.6 million worldwide opening. Uh, second to only Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness um, in terms of 2022 openings, uh, global openings so far, but that's global. Um, there have been several much bigger domestic openings, including Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness um and uh you know Black Panther Wakanda Forever but some of those movies suffered huge drops in their second weekend you know so so there's a, so you know there there's there's you know there there there's some r- room there for interpretation but uh but that's the raw number um for for a global opening now to be clear before we talk about anything else <laughs> that is a massive 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 number particularly international showing huge there you know, well over the domestic. So, you know, and the big thing is this movie did get a release in China. A lot of recent blockbusters have not. Um, it, it is doing okay in China, but the problem is COVID is a bigger problem in China right now it, uh, again. So the numbers are hampered a bit. Um, b- but, you know, that 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 before discussing anything else, the raw number is huge. And for almost any other movie, there would be endless bottles of champagne being popped at a studio. (laughs) There may be a couple of caveats here, but I even say maybe because we don't know. Okay.
1: Well, something I think you haven't brought up yet is the budget of this film. And and that's something that we don't actually know the real number, but we do know what James Cameron said. James Cameron said that this movie needs to be in the top five of all time to, make money? Is that what he said? Did he
2: specifically say five? Because I know he just said what I recall him saying was that he straight up said in an interview that it needs to be one of the highest grossing movies of all time to turn a profit. Because he, he even jokingly said it was like a bad business decision. And, and you know, be, because the first one was tremendously expensive. The first one was over 200, well over 200 million, which is why Fox sort of wavered on greenlighting it originally. Um, but Cameron spent a lot more on this one. Um, over the weekend, Deadline reported that the budget was $460 million before marketing, which would make it by far the most expensive movie ever made.
1: By the way, that, that's crazy because I feel like the previous estimate was 350 to 450 and that was after marketing.
2: No, that was not right? after marketing. Or that was uh, a okay. no. That was not after marketing. Um, because I because I, I was I was obsessively trying to figure out what the budget. Okay, was like.
1: maybe that was before marketing, but still, three. Some people thought it was three fifty like a couple weeks ago.
2: Yeah, now, like it, well, we're now
1: up to four sixty before well, marketing.
2: I think the thing is that like obviously Disney's never just going to tell us what it was, um, and so people are sort of getting. But okay, even uh, the difference between three fifty and four sixty is is.
1: Like,
2: I mean, 350 still makes it easily one of the most expensive movies ever made.
1: Um, Well, let's do the quick math here. This is like the quick nod in the scientific math. Uh, You know, the exhibitors take about 50% in the end of a movie like this, probably even more because it might have legs. Yeah, looks right, look, it, and,
2: but let's go rough math. The rough math is usually that you say the exhibitor takes 50% of the overall ticket sales. Yeah. And so about 50% gets back to the studio. This is very rough math. But uh, yeah, okay, fine. So let's say... Uh, so let's so say... It,
1: it, if a movie costs after marketing, if, if it was 460 and then you had to market it, you had to spend like another 150 or $200, you are at like $600, 650 600
2: Six hundred to six fifty, as I would say, with a global marketing spend. Because the thing is, you had to pay to advertise this in China. You yeah. had to market it hard, and you know. So I would say you couldn't, you couldn't. You probably spent bare minimum one fifty to market it. But so, so let's.
1: So then let's, you double that number because you need to make double that to right. recoup that investment. So now you're at like thirteen hundred, or I mean, well, sorry, one point three billion dollars. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's kind of the number that in my head I've been pegging it at, uh, which would be like what more or less what The Last Jedi made, like what Star Wars The Last Jedi made, which Star Wars The Last Jedi currently the 16th highest grossing movie of all time. Um, so, you know, I've been I've been sort of saying that, like, that's maybe the number maybe you need to aim for to to, but but to to green light a movie even this movie in the current theatrical marketplace and saying it needs to be a $1.3 billion earner for us before we can even start talking (laughs) profit. You know, that's, that's crazy. But I have a lot more to say about that because this is like a long play here. Um, And I do think based on these early numbers, it does have a shot to hit that 1.3 billion. It absolutely does. It has an a cinema score uh, premium formats accounted for 62% of the domestic ticket sales you know, meaning you're selling much more expensive tickets. Um, You have not another gigantic blockbuster hitting theaters until Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania in February. This movie has almost two months of runway. Um, So yeah, it can probably top the box office for seven weeks like the original did. That's more of a comment on the current marketplace rather than you know, but, but, but yeah, I mean, it's good timing. That's why, you know, Spider-Man no way home did something similar last year because you had it roll into January where there's very little competition, you know, plus a good movie plus, plus, plus. So this movie has every good indicator going for it. The only thing I keep harping on is if that budget really is $460 million, you know, and and Cameron's more or less said it is. He didn't say that that was the specific figure, but he straight up said it needs to do, you know, so, so that's my big, my, my big thing is just, you know, green lighting a movie that needs to be that become one of the highest grossing movies of all time just to touch profit is is a bit crazy to me but if any movie justifies it i guess it's the highest grossing movie of all time
1: i also wonder and i know we'll never get the numbers but i wonder how do you budget these two films because it was filmed back to back with avatar three and i i'm guessing a significant amount of money was spent on creating the technology to film underwater With this performance capture stuff. Like, so is that like divided up against both of those films, or is that divided up for this film? Because it was technically created for this film and is going to be reused for the third. Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah,
2: no, that that's the big question. And and that's something that people have kind of started postulating about. And I would imagine that the budget for this one is going to be front loaded, where like a lot of that sort of like production cost and development was sort of weighted on this movie's budget. So that Avatar 3 will in theory be cheaper. Probably still a $250, $300 million movie, but like cheaper, <laughs> cheaper, which is still asinine. But like, so, so I, you know, that's really the, that's really the bigger question. Cause that movie being as done as it is, Disney's pretty much obligated to release it at this point. Like, unless this movie had just absolutely opened disastrously, you know, avatar three was always going to get released. But as we yeah. know, Cameron has plans for avatar four and avatar five as well. So the really big question is whether or not, you know, how far do we go? Because Cameron has said they could wrap it up at three if they had to. So my question is, you know, there's no way this movie... I mean, let's just be very clear. There is a universe in which this movie could maybe get to two billion, which would be insanely great. There's no universe in which it gets near three billion. And, you know, is this a case of, you know, (laughs) does that then increase demand for Avatar 3 because it will be coming out, you know, in just a couple of years? Or like... Did all that 13 years of pent-up interest sort of get caught up here? And then does Avatar 3 see a decline? You know, that's where... So Avatar 3 is going to be the real determining factor here. And it, there's just so much to, to pick apart with this.
1: Yeah, I think the thing here is usually when you have an opening weekend, you usually do the multiplier, right? usually apply the math and you go like, you know, if this is movie's getting really high buzz then maybe it could be what a three times multiplier yeah three times
2: for a blockbuster three times is considered great you know like like really great and like 2.5 i think this the multipliers are one of those areas where like in my box office research i'm not as great at um uh, in terms of like my overall like knowledge base of it and stuff but but yeah like i think 2.5 is kind of the number you want to you're comfortable seeing because like we just discussed right if your ticket sales if your overall box office if you see 50% of that return to the studio well in theory if you can get to two and a half times you know like that then you can potentially see some profit right so like you know it's it that's kind of the number but but um
1: so those multipliers would put it at 1.1 billion or 1.3 billion if you go to three times uh,
2: yeah, which puts it right at the line of like breaking even, right? Yeah. Which is, you know, that's why I think that, but again, you're looking at no competition.
1: Um, and you're good. looking at James Cameron. You look at his track record in in movies that he's directed in almost, you know, you look at Titanic, you look at uh, Avatar one, the legs on these movies, like it's not, it's one of those things that's like off the scientific, like when, when you, when you're doing your math for these box office things, it's, You can't equate the the James Cameron component.
2: So one thing I think is that you need to look at only two movies really during the course of the pandemic have made the kind of money that Avatar needs to make. And that would be Spider-Man No Way Home, Top Gun Maverick. And I think Top Gun Maverick is maybe the best comp because you're looking at a movie that, you know, was a many years later sequel to a beloved classic uh top gun maverick made 126 million on its opening weekend but then it eventually legged out through good word of mouth um you know great holds to 1.48 billion dollars worldwide so there is absolutely a path for avatar
1: i'm gonna be curious i i i think a lot of people are commenting on you know the opening weekend box office and i i really feel like the second weekend box office for this film is going to tell us a lot more Yeah, for me, it's more
2: like weekend three, weekend four once you get past the holidays, right? Because you're heading into Christmas and New Year's, both taking place on a weekend, kids out of school, no other major competition. You you definitely have some runway there. But like, you know, what what happens in, you know, that first weekend in January when there's still no big movies, but, you know, everyone's back in school, this and that. Does it then see a plunge? You know, these are the things that I sort of look at. And then again, this is a global play and not just a domestic place so what happens in these global markets can china hold well in the coming weeks or does it fall off a cliff in china and then you sort of maybe lose you know some money that you were maybe counting on you know these are things that are these are questions that are going to linger and we're not going to have answers to for several weeks
1: yeah well we will be talking about this for weeks for sure um on this podcast and on the site Uh, we're going to get into our spoiler discussion of avatar, the way of water, but uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase. It's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe for the safety minded who watch everyone's backs. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facility safe. And your people safer. Call ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Okay, now we're back. Uh, if you have not seen Avatar: The Way of Water, we are going to have a spoiler discussion, and you might want to tune out now and uh, go go see it. I would I would highly recommend you go go see it in the theater on a big screen in 3D, uh, which I guess brings me to my first question before we even get to like what you thought, Ryan. How did you watch this movie? Like what format?
2: Uh, just just your good old fashioned 2D, because 3D gives me a headache. Oh no. Uh, uh, yeah well no but also I've never been a fan of 3d movies like I feel like I don't know I don't think movies are rides right like it should like it should sort of stand on its own um
1: and see, I'm uh, not even like the biggest 3d person I'm like but I feel like this movie was me like you have to in my mind you need to see the movie the way the filmmaker intended and I feel like a lot of those 3d movies that were crappy were because the filmmaker didn't give a crap and they were just post converting it I feel like this I don't know. I wish you had seen it in 3D.
2: No, but I wouldn't have. I wouldn't know. Even if I didn't get it, I don't like 3D movies. Like, it's not, you know... And I understand your point. Like, James Cameron very much intended for this to be 3D, but I also believe that you can't... You can't... I guess you can. You can do whatever the hell you want. But, like, but I don't think a movie... It needs to work both ways, right? Like, maybe the 3D can bring something else to it, but it should still absolutely work as a 2D movie. Like, it shouldn't it shouldn't be one way or the other. But I guess you and I are going to be coming at this from different perspectives, which is sort of interesting.
1: Well, I would argue that the first Avatar really doesn't work as a 2D movie. And I, it, that was a movie that I was like so wowed at in the yeah, theater that, when but it came out. The
2: problem is like most people because then you're like, you know, what what value does it have to you later? You know, like when you're watching it on streaming or watching it on Blu-ray or watching it like, because, you know, like most people don't have a 3D TV and it's really not the same experience anyway. Yeah. You know, so it's like that, that, that's where I, that, that argument sort of falls apart to me, you know, and like, that's where it becomes more of a theme park ride than it does a movie because like, I... well, you can't really have a theme park ride at home. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I sort of don't love that.
1: I get that. Um, I just think that these movies, both of these movies, both of the Avatar movies are, are so much more than just like a story being told in visuals. It's, it's an immersive experience. We're going to They a, sure other are world. more than
2: a story because they have to be.
1: <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the enjoyment is exploring this world and feeling like you're in this world. Uh, and anyways, okay, let's get past that. But I'm going to tell you how I watched it because I watched it in two different ways. I watched it at the World not world premiere. I watched that like LA premiere, which I think was like the third or fourth premiere that they did. Uh, James Cameron didn't even make it to this premiere because he caught COVID. Yeah, John, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I saw it at the LA premiere at the Dolby theater. That's where they do the Oscars. And that's also, uh, you know, in Dolby vision. I think they have IMAX projectors as well there, but um, uh, so there I saw it in high frame rate 3d and, uh, it was kind of weird, Ryan. Uh, I wish you had experienced this just so we could have a discussion about it. But what this is, is um, – so if did you ever see The Hobbit when it did high frame rate? Yeah, I
2: did. Uh, I'm, I'm not a – I don't like the high frame rate stuff, and I know a lot of people don't. Um, uh, I don't really still – I mean I kind of understand what it is, but I also don't understand why filmmakers feel the need to do it. Um, it sort of confounds me. Uh, I'm lucky I, I – I'm <laughs> – I'm happy it hasn't really caught on. Um, I didn't see I, I did. I, you know, I just saw 2D avatar, so I didn't see it. Yeah. You know, the crazy high frame rate, which I'm happy I didn't because like I didn't run into some of these sort of negative things that I'd seen ahead of the release were about the high frame rate stuff. And like so luckily I didn't like run up, have to run up against that. I, I ran up against my own stuff, not to show my hand, but I didn't run up against that.
1: <laughs> well, uh, to explain this really quickly, high frame rate looks like uh, that digital motion smoothing when you have it on TV. It looks like ultra realistic. And my get uh, my feeling uh, when they did it for The Hobbit, I hated it. And But I think I hated it because when you do 60 frames per second to a film that has like costumes in it, Feels like a fantasy world. It doesn't look like fantasy. It looks like people in costumes on a movie set. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it feels fake. It, it feels so real that you can you can feel the fakeness of it. Yeah, um, I just feel
2: like our, I just feel like cinema was never meant to go to that. You know what I mean? Like it just feels yeah. such, like such a crazy thing.
1: Well, James Cameron's argument here is to combat uh, you getting sick from three D because at high frame rate, people. Uh, it's a, it, there's some some science here that like – because 24 frames per second have like a flicker to it. Uh, when they have big action in 3D, it makes some people sick. But if you make it at 60 frames per second or 48 frames per second, le- there's less of a chance of that. There's less um, of that flicker. Uh, so th- there's reason behind that. So anyways, uh, I saw it at Adobe in this in – this, but they're doing this new thing called variable high frame rate. And what this is is – any scene that's, like, not moving around, if it's, like, a talking scene or whatever, it's shown in 24 frames per second. Uh, But then once the action starts moving, it just cuts uh, to the high frame rate, whatever it is, 48 or 60. Uh, What this means, Ryan, is it's not like this scene was in 24, this scene was in high frame rate. It means that, like, there'll be a scene where there's 50 cuts, back and forth between them during the scene. And uh, the other thing I've noticed about high frame rate movies is when I've seen them, like when I saw Gemini Man, uh, I was distracted by it it for the first 10 minutes. But then once I got into the movie, I kind of got used to it. But the thing here that I felt was because it keeps on switching back and forth, I kept on like every time it would go back and forth, I would notice it because it was distracting. It's, it's the opposite of what you want to have from a technology in a movie is it distracted me and made me uh, notice that, you know, visual effects, uh, music should all work together in a way that, like, you're never distracted. You are never notice it. And this was uh, something I noticed. Uh, that said, uh, the 3D at that premiere was incredible. Uh, seeing the underwater stuff, insane. Uh, then I went to see it on opening night. With some friends at universal city walk in a normal theater in 3d but not high frame rate and i thought i was going to like this better ryan and i'm i came out of this i don't like either of these formats because the 24 frames per second was too flickery and the 3d wasn't as as good and it wasn't as bright and uh maybe that says something about the theater then and it does the format, uh, but uh, I kind of wish the whole movie was just in high frame rate. Which well, 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 if it, the, if it I,
2: isn't Peter trying to argue I should have seen this in 3D when he didn't like it in either presentation.
1: I didn't, but I don't know. I wish you could see, I wish you could just walk into the theater and watch like the underwater, like when they first discovered the underwater world of Pandora in 3D and just experience at least like, you know, 10 minutes of that in, th- in the high frame rate 3D. It was incredible. Anyways, okay. Let's move on because it, it too much to talk about the format but what was your brief thoughts on the movie
2: um i am noted. i am noted for so i hadn't thought about avatar in years i didn't really care for avatar when i saw it when it came out it is expensive fern gully i've always joked um and uh and uh whatever it's fine you know it's always baffled me that it ended up being the the highest grossing movie ever and You know, I think about it a lot because of the movies. But anyway, so then right before Way of Water starts coming out, like the last like six months or so, all these people start coming out of the woodworks like they're, you know, like, oh, I was a huge fan of Avatar. And there was like this reassessment of, you know, the original and people really stoked about the sequel. And it just took me by surprise and I just kind of wasn't having it. Or I was like, (laughs) yeah, the first one's still boring and you're all wrong. You know, like I just can't, I couldn't get behind that reevaluation of the original. And, And so I will say, Having been a noted uh, critic of the original in some ways, uh, this one was better, uh, but not to the degree that, like, you know, James Cameron, the guy who made Terminator 2 and Aliens, two of the best sequels of all time, that I'm going to put it anywhere near that list. Um, maybe just good enough that I would go see a third one with some curiosity with the story building, but mm, ultimately I kind of come out of this one feeling like a grump. Uh, given uh, that, no. most, given that most people seem pretty into it, uh, there are things that I like about it, but, but I, 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 it, 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 it finished out a year where blockbusters and popcorn movies are my thing. That's where I live. 2022 is going to go down as one of the most disappointing years I've ever had in that arena. And, yeah. uh, it just kind of rounded out that for me, like, you know, where I was starting to really feel the runtime and looking at my watch and being like, wait, there's still how long left, you know? and then just ordering more food at the draft house because I was like, well, screw it if I got to sit here longer.
1: Yeah, I wonder if they make more money on like an Avatar screening than they do. Oh, they must. The theater,
2: (laughs) the the draft house must have made a fortune with people just sitting there realizing how much longer they were going to be there. Um, But uh, but yeah, that was kind of, I mean, that was my very loose thoughts on it. um, That like, you know, it's it's fine, but like, eh, (laughs) you know, 13 years for that I don't know.
1: I'll say this. I have been a defender of the original Avatar, and I'm not even a person that, like, loves that story. But I do think, like, it's just knocking it off as, like, an expensive Ferngully or, or Smurfs or whatever, whatever people say. Like, I feel like there's a lot of interesting ideas in that film of, like, even, like, humans being able to, like, you know, transfer their souls into these alien bodies and then walk around in alien. It's such a crazy idea. Um, but uh, for me... I, I didn't love that movie because of the, the story, the story, I mean, is classic, like myth story. Um, it's been reused over time many times before and I don't even think it was a a great version of that story, but what did take me was the world building. And I was just so, um, uh, just obsessed with that world. And like, it was unlike anything we've ever seen. I feel like since then in the last, um, decade we've seen so much bioluminescent and so much of like that glowing aesthetic and I feel like it, it, it's less unique now but um but it was unlike anything I had seen before uh, so anyways so going into this I was interested but I also saw the footage at d23 Expo where they showed like 15 minutes of footage uh not in any order just cut out from the film and while I was wowed at the visuals I was kind of like I don't like the story i don't know who these people are i don't know i don't know i was really concerned that i was not gonna like this movie going into it ryan so uh and i gotta say this the first hour of this movie is a little rough it's a little it, it's a little uh a lot of place setting a lot of introducing new characters a lot of introducing old characters that somehow are back a lot of about.
2: glossing over 13 years worth of exposition
1: yeah uh and uh so I don't know I was like a little worried, but the last you know two hours of this movie it just totally won me over. like you would well,
2: say the last
1: two hours I, I for me that last hour or
2: so with some stuff in the middle. Well, that middle hour was so what, boring.
1: What, no, once you get to the water like oh, in, in, in 3D it. that that world <laughs> is so amazing, it's so beautiful. Uh, the the stuff with the the space whales. Whatever you want to call that That's
2: the only thing. I, I want to watch the free willy version of that movie with <laughs> Palicon the whale and the kid. And then like I, I just that's the one character I cared about is Palicon the whale. I'll do yeah. anything for that whale. I'll do cr- anything for I, that whale.
1: I cried multiple times during this movie. Right. And I did not expect that I would be that emotionally uh, connected Yeah, uh, in that action scene at the end. We'll, we'll talk about all of that. But anyways, I don't know. I came out of it. I went and saw the movie again. I mean, for sure, I bought the tickets before I had seen it the first time, so it's not like, uh, <laughs> but I could have canceled. You know, it as AMC A list, I could have easily just pressed the button on my phone and canceled, and not gone seeing it a second time. But I'm glad I did see it a second time, and uh, my girlfriend and I actually wants to see it a third time. So, <laughs> uh, so there you go. Uh, but okay. Uh, how how do how do you think this compares to the first film?
2: Again, better, um, but. Again, that first one, story is important, (laughs) if we're to to say something basic about cinema here. And I think that first one really is like all substance, or all all flash and no substance, like for the most part. Um, And uh, this one is definitely like, has a little more substance, but I think the style, like, like again, the space whales, like I connected to nothing in that first movie. Like this one, like the space whales, I'm all there for. Like I'm, I'm in on that space <laughs> whale. But like, but the characters, I don't. I will say that the the way they chose to bring back Stephen Lang's character, um, I thought was interesting, and I thought his arc was kind of interesting, and his performance particularly was, I think, the best in the movie. Um, I think Stephen yeah, I think Lang Jacob said crushed.
1: it in our in our Slack channel, but he was like Stephen Lang's the only person going into these movies that understood the assignment. He knows the movie so, he's in.
2: <laughs> and I actually kind of thought Sam Worthington did an okay job. yeah Um you know, cuz he's a guy I just feel like it's so weird his career didn't really do a ton in the wake of I don't know, but that's not important right now but but um but yeah, like I you know, but but I just god, that middle hour is so it's just it, all that, that story, middle like hour, the story I, beat
1: But that's all special stuff
2: but the story beats of, like, what they're doing there, it looks good. And, like, I like the space well. but it's, like, what they're doing there, like, oh, man, the family's got to learn the ways of this other family. Oh, what wackiness is going to happen there when these two don't get along? You know, like, what, Cameron spent 13 years trying to come up with a story we've seen a thousand ways and, and a thousand. Like, there was nothing remotely new about that. And, and you know, that's the whole middle of the movie. And, and you know, uh, the thing that I will say, that last hour, the action is great. It's James Cameron action, and it looks awesome. It's so satisfying in a lot of ways. Although I feel like it's one of those movies that has, like, four false endings, and you just can't get to the ending. <laughs> and, like, you're just like, holy crap, can we get there? Can we get there? Um, you know, and, eventually- and it's
1: James Cameron aping James, James Cameron. He's, like, doing his best hits of, like, yeah. Titanic and Alien. yeah. yeah. It's, like-
2: And a lot of it does look, but again, it's just my own thing is even that ends up dragging to me. So like, but no, the middle, I mean, the beginning, I understand you got a lot, you got to go over, you got a lot of table setting you got to do. And I feel like they gloss over a lot of that weirdly, even though the movie's like three hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. Then the whole middle to me is just all old hat story stuff. We've seen a million times yet. We got to spend all this time doing it just to kind of get to the to the satisfying part at the end, which even ends up wearing out. It's welcome to me. So, you know, yeah, it's, (sighs) it's a a lot of movie.
1: Okay. Let's talk about the convoluted returns, which uh, I'm going to admit, you know, getting Corich back, uh, getting Sigourney Weaver back for this. It's all very convoluted, but you know what, Ryan, I did not care because I enjoyed all of it. I don't think Corich's was all that convoluted
2: given the universe. Like that's the one thing people are like, are you kidding me in this universe? Is that that convoluted to you? Not at all. Like that, <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's kid was like, it's very, very evident to me that they're setting up a reveal in one of the later movies. Like they're very, very evidently like, Ooh, who's the dad. And like, we're going to definitely figure that out at some point. Um, but yeah, like that, you know, it was kind well, are of a we? weird choice.
1: Because, like, at first I was wondering, the first time I saw the movie, I was like, who's the dad? Because that's going to be a thing that's either going to be revealed in this movie, which it didn't end up being revealed in this movie. There's some jokes about, like, uh, her having sex with that other guy that was part yeah, of the Yeah, what's that program. actor's
2: name? The guy, man, good for him. Cash that uh, check for this one.
1: Yeah, I don't uh, remember his name. Anyways, uh, there's some jokes. I think those are just jokes. And then they never reveal it, which made me think, like, you know, I was thinking after the fact, I'm like, who, who could it be? Who would be interesting whatever, and then I came to the realization I don't think she has a father. I think it was an immaculate conception Oh no I think that she oh. is Ewa's uh kid like I think there's like something going on there I think that you know
2: I will if they so there are I am a good movie goer. Like, I will laugh if something makes me laugh. I will, you know, I will get into it if something get me get into. But I don't I'm not a disrespectful moviegoer. There's been a couple of times where something happens in a movie where I like I become the disrespectful moviegoer because I cannot contain myself. <laughs> one of those times was in Joker when Batman's parents die. And it's like the one time you didn't have to do that. And I was already really not into the movie. And then when that happened, I groaned out loud to the point where like several people looked at me like where like it was like I couldn't hold it in. And I swear to you in Avatar 3, if, if, if this becomes an immaculate conception thing, I will scream. <laughs> like what a ridiculous choice.
1: Well, didn't like uh, her body, I don't know, I'd have to rewatch the first Avatar. I haven't seen it in a while. And I'm but not going to
2: do that. I'm just not going to do that.
1: But didn't she connect with the... the- the Ewa like the, through the tree thing and whatever at the end. So maybe I there's... saw
2: Avatar once in 2009 and I've never rewatched it. I'm not going to watch it again.
1: <sighs> okay. Uh, yeah. Quaritch. Uh, I, I, I love, I'll say this, like it was very convoluted the way he brought it back. I know you disagree, but the economy and how it's conveyed in that one scene where he learns about it from his, uh, past self or his clone or his, the clone learns about it from his real self. I don't know it's a little. Conv- it's
2: not that weird. <laughs> like relative to the movie. Before Quaritch <laughs> went into the final battle in the first movie, they downloaded his consciousness so that like if he died, they could put him inside of an avatar in this world. That's not that weird to me.
1: Yeah. Another thing that I thought was great economically, uh, just in storytelling wise, is the reveal that Quaritch has a son how it's just like the it it is never like actually did did they ever say it in the movie or is it just i think they do cut well they do
2: they never have the like weird reveal moment of like he's my son but it's very clear and i actually did like the way that that was layered in there i agree like they didn't they didn't have the like boring dramatic reveal of that and then like it sort of worked in the story but What's weird to me is you're talking about, you're right, there was some, like, economy exercise there in getting through some of those things, yet we're left with a three-hour and ten-minute movie, like, so (laughs) so you use that economy so you can have, like, some longer, like, self filating shots of, like, water. You know, like, like oh, there's not enough of that. Let's put more of that, like, at certain points. And it's just, to me, like, it gets exhausting. But
1: but yeah, see, Ryan, like, there, that's the stuff it. I love. That That's what I love about these movies is, like, spending time in Pandora. And I feel like you movies couldn't, nowadays... You couldn't
2: use 20 minutes less? 20 minutes less wouldn't have bugged you? <laughs> I don't know. It's oh, just no. like, come on. If you're going okay, to get question... to three hours and ten minutes, you got to... I don't know. That's a long movie. You got to really... Ugh, I know we feel different, but that's hard for me.
1: Yeah. Uh, I like enjoying myself in the world, like the, the world building of, of – of when a, a film really does good world building, I know that it slows down the plot and the story to like just have some time enjoying yourself in that world. But I love when, when a movie can do that. Um, a question I had coming out of this movie that no one else seemed to have or no one else I, I talked to is, uh course, has a son, right? Who Who is his mother? Because now uh it's established here that kids can't go into cryo, which is why he was never sent home to Earth, right? So that means he would have have, to have been too young to go into uh cryo to go from Earth to Pandora, which must mean that he was conceived and born on Pandora. Uh, and then I was thinking, could his mother appear in the sequels? Now the actor here, I think, is like eighteen or something like that. So I'm not even sure if that makes sense. How long were? <laughs> uh, how long was the the colonel on Pandora oh God, before I we see him? Doing...
2: Oh, I didn't even start doing the Pandora math there. Oh boy, uh... but it's uh,
1: it's been ten years. It takes five years to get to Earth. Five years back. Uh, so he would have had to been born before then. Uh. Answer here is, I talked this out in our Slack channel and we actually came to an answer because I was like, oh, could his mother appear in the sequels? Could this be a big reveal later on? It turns out there's this comic book I think we talked about it on the podcast called Avatar the High Ground, which tells the story in between the first Avatar and second Avatar. And it actually has an answer for this. It's someone named Paz Socorro. Uh, his mother was a scorpion pilot serving under Quarch who was killed during the assault on the Tree of Souls in the first movie we didn't see her in the first movie that, that would have been good if we had seen her in the first movie but we didn't uh, you don't say yeah uh and he, uh also i just want to mention that Quarch. Uh, i mean uh spider is apparently the first human birth on pandora revealed in this comic which seems like it should be a bigger deal it should be <laughs> something pointed out in the movie but, but why
2: bother, Why there was so much water to show in that three hours and ten minutes, you couldn't possibly be bothered to drop us an important piece of information like that. Like, how could you possibly have any time to give us any important information when you could just have another long shot of the underside of a whale's stomach?
1: So, Ryan, uh, Earth is dying. Uh, it seems like yes. now, uh, you know, As the first As Edie film- Falco told
2: us. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, in the first film, Jake said that there's no green left on Earth, and then uh, in this more uh, this movie, uh, General Ardmore is her character says the Earth is dying, and they're now planning to colonize and relocate to Pandora. And uh, the, th- there's actually books that tell you the story of uh, Pandora and uh, Earth, and, so, and they say that uh, the planet was ravaged by environmental devastation and warfare, and classism is rampant there. The ultra rich can afford to. I guess live forever in a way. Um, so okay, uh, in the first movie, when they're first in P- Pandora ten years ago, they're they're there for the uh, what is it? Unobtainium is that the name of the mineral?
2: Unobtainium is the name of the yeah well, the cleverly named Unobtainium.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, now one of the reasons they're in uh, Pandora is for the the amarita, which is this liquid that is located in the the brains of the space whales which um what did you think of this whole uh reveal i don't know i thought it was very devastating uh to me yeah, personally it was that like s-
2: super sad like super because i like the space whales but like it also i actually really liked uh what was that uh was that brett mckenzie is that who that the guy from flight of the concords who's like the the oh the um, uh... scientist that's I think not it, Brett McKenzie. It's
1: the other no, guy. No, he has a – yeah, the other guy. Jamaine Clement. Jermaine Clement.
2: Uh, yes. Jermaine Clement. Sorry, I was getting them mixed up. But, yeah, so it was Jermaine. like, I really liked his character because he was so conflicted about this. So it's stuff from the – way they killed this whole whale just to get the stuff from – because it can make people essentially, like, stop aging. And so it's, like, what pays for all these Pandora expeditions. And I'm like, okay, you bothered to, like, l- make – that actually made sense to me. Like, you found a way to – You know, and obviously, like, this whole thing is, you know, the whole undertaking of all these Avatar movies is about James Cameron wanting to save the Earth and his environmentalist. uh, And I think that's a good, you know, thing. And so, like, you know, this whole thing, I think it was Raphael who wrote for us. He had a piece that, like, Avatar, the way of water is the most expensive uh, Save the Whales campaign ever. Um, And, like, and, you know, that's not necessarily wrong. Um, But, yeah, I thought that was devastating, but also, like, an, an interesting like thing to incorporate in the story and it made a lot of sense and it kind of helped propel that whole third act that was by far the best part of the movie.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's not always sad because you get to uh, to fall in love with these creatures, but it's also sad because like you think about it and if there was a liquid that could help humans live forever, would we start, if it was located in the whales on this earth, would would we do it? Yes. Would it be yes. Yeah.
2: But we, would, there would be no whales. Like the degree to which you would have no whales, like the how quickly there would be no whales? I know. That's inc- like, that's so Or the, or you would sad. start like or you would start like breeding whales, right? Like people would start like you would you would essentially save the whales so you could kill the whales. Like you would have it be like chicken farms where there would be like whale farms so we could like kill whale. Like it would or we would be cloning whales. Like there's you we would so quickly be, yeah, no, there's no question.
1: <sighs> okay, uh, let's talk about Kiri, who is Sigourney Weaver's character in this. She plays... Is that
2: her name? God, if you ask me to name any character other than Jake Sully, I couldn't even tell you.
1: Oh, is this going to become the next thing? How everybody was saying for like 10 years, like, I can't even name a character in the movie.
2: I, I, I'm telling you, I couldn't. I could. If you, you asked me, I had to ask because I love the whale, Palikon is the one that I could name that character for you. Spider. Too because it's such a weird, but like that's it,
1: yeah. Uh, well, Kiri, uh, we've talked about you know, does she have a father? Like, what, what who do you think her father is?
2: Oh boy, now that you laid out the I mean, I don't care, like, I guess is like an answer. Like, I don't like nothing that they did made me care, um, who her father is. And like, there's not, no not care. the fact that
1: she seems to have like these superpowers where she can connect to Iwa and like, well, the problem control- is, but now that you.
2: Right. But again, now that you've sort of said the like immaculate Pandora conception thing, maybe she's like the daughter of Pandora. Right. Like there must be some. And I like now that you've said that, I can't get that out of my head that that's almost definitely what it's going to be. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i think there's uh, there's another thing that I, I haven't seen mentioned a lot but i i feel like there's a lot of force awakens felt in this movie uh don't in that- you dare don't you dare i like uh, by the way i love force Awakens. i do so, too uh, i love i love like, the force awakens yeah no but like in, in the reveal of uh uh spider being the sun uh here like you have this character it's like uh you don't know who her her father is and she has like these superpowers, and it's like there's this big question of like who is her father why does why is she so powerful um i don't know i think there's some stuff you don't see that some comparison
2: uh maybe i don't want to i don't
1: know i Uh, i don't want to and by the way i don't say in a bad way i I honestly don't say in a bad way at all but um, I
2: don't want those two movies lumped together at all in my head. I love The Force yeah. Awakens. I don't want any I I just don't I don't want to have to absorb that. I don't want to have to the next time I'm watching The Force Awakens uh like that, to even think like oh yeah, Peter was right. Now I have to think about Avatar the Way of Water more.
1: So, oh no. I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay, so uh Curiosity's the seizure. Norm claims that the seizure was caused by epilepsy and that the tree triggered hallucinations through electrical impulses and Kiri's brain. And it definitely doesn't have anything to do with like her actually like having this connection to Ewa. W- what do you think is actually going on here?
2: I have no idea. Like, I, I, j- I really <laughs> wish I had, like, I just don't know, nor do I care. Like, this is where the movie really started losing me like this, like leading up to the finale where like it, it, before it got interesting where I was like really having a hard time, not checking out. Um, like and again there's all this stuff that happens that i just can't couldn't bring myself to care about and uh, i know see i like
1: it my... i feel like it's the natural evolution of what is going on with these movies like this movie is kind of like about kind of like a symbiosis of us in in the a plant or not us but like uh the na'vi in their planet of pandora and how they kind of like live in harmony with the creatures and stuff like that and i feel like the evolution of that is now Uh, you have Navi that can actually communicate and actually control the environment through that relationship. Sure. You don't, you don't (laughs) seem to be having any of this.
2: (laughs) I don't know. It's it's not that you're wrong. I just, I sure. Like what does that do for like, what does it, I, I get for me, it doesn't, like, I see the point. I see, I okay, I'll try to be less grumpy. I see what you're saying. Um, I'm just realizing, I'm realizing, because I think what happened is, like, I left the theater, like, writing the third act. So I was feeling, like, better about it because, like, there was the cool third act. Yeah. But, like, as I'm going, going back over it, now I'm realizing how much of it I kind of didn't like. A- oh, no. And other than, like, <laughs> the, other than it was, like, very visually impressive, like, those whales... Some of the best CGI ever on film, I think we can safely say. Like, those whales may, might be the best CGI creation ever. Like, they're incredible. But, but yeah, like, I'm realizing how much of the story just started, like, you know, where I'm, like, slouching in my chair looking at my watch, which is the last thing you ever want to do in a movie. Oh, no. But, yeah, I guess I can see your point. That, like, if this is all some thinly veiled, like, you know, um, save the environment sort of type thing, then, yeah, I guess I see your point. But but um, But, yeah. I
1: don't know. Okay, uh, let's talk about the thing that you the, did, like the, the epic third act action sequence, which like went on for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> what What is your some of your favorite parts of this? Like, I think one of my favorite parts is like when they were climbing through uh, that ship and it's like turning over almost like Inception style, but they're like climbing up the cafeteria, like table as it's like, the ship is turning over. I don't know. It it just felt so visually cool.
2: It was very well choreographed for sure. Like, cause like you're, there's so much going on that you forget like, oh yeah, the ship's taking on water. It's going to like, you know, capsize. And then like, so that was pretty cool for me. It was no question. Like, and um, I don't want to show my hand here, but the other big thing I'm doing for us today is I'm writing our, uh, the best blockbuster movie scenes of the year as the end of year list for us, which will be published very shortly. And there may or may not be a part from this, uh, from from this whole shenanigans here, uh, but when Palacon uh, has had enough and attacks the boat yes. when it looks like uh, when it looks like Jake's kids are about to get it, oh man, so satisfying that that pissed off whale uh, doing doing its thing. Um, By the way, uh, both times yeah. I've
1: seen this movie, the moment where the the arm moment where the arm gets uh yeah
2: yeah the dude's arm just gets <laughs> ripped off.
1: The entire theater erupts and like claps. Like I don't know, it's just like one of those. It's what I love about movies, Ryan, where like a bunch of strangers could be sitting in the dark in a room and have like the shared experience of like coming together. And it re- really, you really feel like that in like those kind of moments. It's like you know, like the Endgame moment when you know everybody's coming out of the portals. Like you really feel like you're part. You're not just there a single person in that room. You feel like you're part of that room
2: nothing nothing in my screening nothing in this movie drew there were some like light like oh, no. ooh, you know like a point like nothing you know like because like when i saw end game when i saw no way home when i saw um I'm trying to think of some other examples uh even the original jurassic world when i saw that back in the day force awakens of course like there are moments where the audience is like on board together there's nothing like that
1: there was no reaction back. to the arm
2: No, there was some little like, Oh, like some gentle, like, you know, but I think a lot of my audience was like, like me where they were like, you know, just like, this is long. Uh, and let's like, I live in Austin. I live in a good movie town. I live in a respectful, like we are the home of the Alamo draft house. We have, we are a movie town here, you know? So it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not like in middle America where, you know, certain audiences don't react the same, but like I, you know, and by the way, that's not disparaging anything, but, if you talk to anyone who sees movies in other places around the country, like they are just, you know, you can go to other places and it's not like seeing a movie in like LA or New York or, yeah. you know, it's just different, but, but yeah, so my, my, all I can, I can only speak to the one audience I was in and it was not, it was a, although I will say I did go see it at like Thursday at like three ten in the afternoon. So it was like a weird afternoon showing. Mm-hmm. Um, But yeah, still kind of a, kind of a, not, 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 not much of a reaction.
1: Another thing I wanted to say is how cool were the, like, the vehicles and stuff that the um what is the group that quartch is part of call it's um my God, I should know this oh
2: his weird little band of avatar um, well, no, like uh,
1: people that are coming onto Pandora like what are, what do they called they're uh, they have an uh oh my God
2: oh, I couldn't be bothered I okay anyways
1: of... but like they have these like crab ships you see the crab oh yeah, ship?
2: I know what you're talking about those things are kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I I thought there was a lot of cool stuff. It's interesting here because in the first movie and this movie, James Cameron introduces all sorts of cool, like sci fi, like ships and concepts and stuff like that. But like, we're actively rooting against, like, he's actively making you be like, I, this is so cool, but I do not like these people. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, you're actively rooting against it being cool, even though it is cool.
2: Mm, yeah cameron's pretty good at that like you're not necessarily rooting for the aliens and aliens but like you're like damn they're cool you know what i mean like like the the, (laughs) the, like the the alien queen at the end of aliens is maybe the best example of that ever you know or like the t-1000 another great example of that like yeah cameron's very good at that
1: yeah uh he's also very good at having like this all these stories happening at once in different parts and intercutting and you never feel like oh there's like at least for me, maybe maybe for you it's different. but like, it's not like I was like, when it, sometimes you'll, you'll have a movie and it intercuts to like one character and you're like, Sigh. like they needed to give this actor something to do during this part, you know, during this climactic battle. Like, I felt like I was into all of it and it was all like complimenting each other as a sequence went on. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this epic third act action sequence?
2: The only unfortunate part about it for me is that it does drag on so long that like it it's as great as it is even that starts to for me start to overstay its welcome a bit like <sighs> particularly at the very end when it feels like the, the return of the king extended edition thing where you have like five endings and you're like come on already like let's you know so for me there was that a little bit but but i have a hard time nitpicking that finale because in a year where a, like almost every blockbuster i was excited for disappointed me on some level Um, and that, and I'm not a cynical person that never happens. I don't like feeling like this and I'm not used to feeling like this. And it's, it's like, it's really hard for me. Like that was really cool. And that was the James Cameron I showed up for. And that was the James Cameron I was hoping for. So it was really cool to to get that bit of it. And I just wish I hadn't been so exhausted leading up to that, but like, yeah, it was, it's, it's what Cameron does best. And, and it's nice to see more of that, um, for sure. And I really do hope that, his quotes about Avatar 4 being like that as good as it supposedly is. Like, if we can get to the fourth one, I hope he's right. Because if the fourth one is all as good as that third act, you know, it'd be great. It'd be amazing.
1: Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the end of this movie and uh, speculate on the future. So, Navi Korch survives. Spider actually saves his father. Um, why do you think he made that decision? Do you think it's because Natari. N- Nateri- Almost killed him moments earlier, or do you think he a bond was created while he was with him during the events of this film?
2: I think he definitely. There's it's twofold. I think in that moment where he saw Natiri like kill all those dudes like so ruthlessly, like I think she sort of, I think he sort of finally saw the difference. That, like, oh yeah, I am human and I am not a Navi. Like that, there is a difference here. And then I just do think that there was that element of like the confliction of like, as a guy who has conflicted feelings about his father figures, you know, like I've, I very much responded to that. Like, yeah. so I do sort of understand the, like, cause like for, you know, not to get like super real, but like I have a very complicated relationship with my stepfather who is more or less like my father figure. And like, you know, if that were my stepdad, like as complicated as I feel, like would I save him probably, but like it would be, you know, and so I did. I definitely felt the like th- the weight of that, and more of a personal way of like I sort of understand why you would do that, even if it's not something you could rationally explain.
1: Yeah, uh, some people I saw the movie with were kind of like upset, or like they were just like, "Nah, why did he save?" You know, they were just mad that he actually. Well, saved yeah, him.
2: because then you don't have three more sequels if he dies. But like, <laughs> yeah, but like you know, it's it's you know.
1: Uh, what do you think is next for Navi? Uh, Quaritch, and Woody. what do you think? Um, it doesn't seem like Spider told the Sully family what he did, so it seems like that's gonna come out at some point, right? That like he ended up saving him.
2: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> like that's gonna be the whole driving, like, like he said, because like anything bad that happens now is gonna be because of that, and like Spider is gonna be responsible, so yeah, like that's gonna be a huge wedge for sure.
1: So do you think in the end do you think do you think Spider is gonna end up leaving the Sully family and and join his father? Do you think he's gonna, you know, be the Kyla? I'm wondering. I,
2: I I guess my big curiosity here is if Korich goes turncoat, like like you know, because like being saved by. I wonder if it's enough for him to like turn and then it there's like almost like a new villain introduced in three or four or something. You know what I mean? Like maybe oh. three is all, maybe three is about like the confliction that sort of starts to emerge in in Korich and spider and like, you know, whose side are you on? And then like Cameron keeps hyping up four, so maybe four is like, you know, Korich is now siding with the Navi. And so like, it's everyone against, you know the new threat or whatever maybe that's where we're leading to if i were to guess
1: well we always have that in blockbusters right the bad guy that everybody loves if they don't die eventually becomes one of the good guys like the t-rex and the jurassic movies or do you know what i mean like it's like yeah it's the thing that and always like, happens
2: and, and we've and we've established that the story is not been original up to this point so it's not like cameron's gonna swing <laughs> for the fences in that department um it's
1: redeemable though after all he's done uh,
2: uh reluctant I mean, I guess... alliance you know like reluctant like like not you know like because of this whole movie was all about like jake protecting his family so like ultimately if you can make an alliance with the biggest threat to your family to defeat the bigger threat to pandora wouldn't jake make wouldn't jake do that math wouldn't that math check out
1: yeah yeah Uh, Okay, let's talk about sequel titles, because at one point it was reported that the sequels to Avatar were going to be titled Avatar The Way of Water, which ended up being true, then followed by Avatar The Seed Bearer, then followed by Avatar The Tolkien Rider, uh, which, you know, we know that Tolkien is those whale creatures.
2: That's the whales? Oh, jeez. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and uh and then the fourth one was going to be called – wait 2 3 yeah fourth one was going to be called Avatar the Quest for Iwa. So What's uh, Iwa? He the um the like the planet the heart of the planet the
2: Okay, so that's like the okay, all right. Um, that's the thing
1: that they talk to when they connect yeah, to the planet. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 I got gotcha.
2: you. Uh okay. It's like the
1: god. It's the I don't know, it's okay. hard to describe actually. Okay, so the
2: fourth movie's Whale Rider?
1: Uh, the third movie is uh, The Whale Rider, I guess.
2: Wait, no, no, the th- no, no. Go through the titles one more time.
1: The Seed the- Bearer is going to be the second movie. So I'm, I'm wondering what... No, no, Seed
2: Bearer would be Avatar
1: 3 or, then. So, sorry, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, so sorry. then so then, Whale Rider is number four. Four. And then, Eve, and then Heart of It All is number five.
1: Yeah, sorry. I was getting those uh, mixed up. And by the way, Cameron was asked about that and he said, quote, uh, those titles are among titles that are in consideration and no final decisions have been made yet. And that was he was asked that a couple of years ago and obviously uh the way of water ended up being true and uh we we know that the the space whales are in this movie so uh what what do you think the seed bearer is who is the seed bearer
2: Uh, i wouldn't that (laughs) wouldn't that potentially maybe be sigourney weaver's new character maybe
1: yeah maybe because like she controls like all that stuff and like those like yeah those floating so like she's things. got the
2: seeds to like the future yeah. of pandora oh because she's like born of the planet or whatever or something like that
1: yeah the tolkien writer makes sense because that's probably gonna be about would that be jake sully or do you think it would someone else becomes the tolkien writer
2: it's got to be the kid right the one that lived
1: oh yeah yeah it's gonna be his kid yeah because yeah
2: right. uh, he's like he he bonded with pelican and so like that it's obviously again whale rider like it's literally going to be like you know like a a a 400 million dollar version of that documentary
1: okay so if they make a fifth movie if it gets to five movie and we get the quest for ewa why are they searching for ewa i thought they were able to like connect to ewa like through like the, the you know the undergroup underwater space tree and then there's the other uh... maybe the
2: quest for ewa means like the quest like as in, like to conquer it, right? Like maybe, like the like, like the battle for it or something is more like what they're getting at.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, do you think we'll ever see the forest Navi again? Do you think we're going to go back there? Do you think that the rest of these films take place in the water? No. The water obviously,
2: world? they're building to like an all-out like it's everything against everything. Like you know the, the the it would be you know all of the Navi uniting against all of the powers of evil man. Yeah. You know, like that's so clearly you're going to get there.
1: I will say that um, as much as I loved the epic finale of this movie, it did feel like they're like, oh, we have more movies to go, so this is going to be a smaller battle that's out like on the small ship. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It didn't feel like uh, usually with a blockbuster movie you have like, you know, the world at stake.
2: Oh yeah, no, because they're building to like the the larger stakes. Like they seeded a lot of things that are, you know, that that are that are clearly going to develop in the next few. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's what's going on for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll end up with the big planet battle, you know, in four or five.
1: Okay. We've got an hour. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about Avatar the way of water before we leave?
2: Please don't get mad at me for being a little grumpy about the blue people space movie.
1: (laughs) With the space whales.
2: With the space whales. And also the, okay. Last thing I will say. Uh, Avatar Space Whales better than Star Wars Space Whales.
1: Wait from from Star Wars Rebels?
2: Yeah, I hate the Pergill more than like anything.
1: <laughs> why why do you hate what the heck? The <laughs> conversation okay. for
2: another time. This Peter. Is,
1: yeah, this is, yeah, okay. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at slash You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. We'll put a link in the show notes and please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and not angry emails of uh, Ryan being. Grumpy to Peter at slash home.com. Um, and please rate and read this podcast and Apple Podcast. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat.